0: The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. Money back as a free bet on any championship match on live TV. If you're losing first goal scorer, bet gets a goal. I'm not finished
1: yet, it took me a long time to get here.
0: Both players have have spoken with each other and
2: they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're they're both keen to to, now... Focus on getting back to county jerseys.
3: But these fellas will get such a shit shock next Saturday evening that we
2: will put them back in their houses for ten years. I have to start off with, a, with an apology to Mayo, who I described as dead men walking um, <laughs> la- on last Thursday's show. Matty and, and Conan are here in studio with me, so there's definitely not m- dead men walking anymore. So a ho- what a difference a week can make. Lee Keegan, the miracle man, is back. Seamus O'Shea got onto the field. Vaughan and Killian O'Connor were flying it. So all of a sudden they've gone from, well, me thinking they're dead men walking. (laughs) Now, I have to say, I did not expect Galway to throw away tactics that have beaten Mayo seven times in a row. Let's be honest about it. We're going to talk about that um, in part two. James Horan had to play down some comments after the game that he made about Kerry after the league final that they should have won by 10 to 12 points. So that's going to be pinned up in the Kerry wall <laughs> now. So he said, I'm sure uh, Kerry don't really care what I say, to be honest. Ah, but they do, James, they do. You're not going to get out of it by saying that. I just thought on that day we created a lot of goal chances that we didn't take. So, like, I mean, it was a kind of situation where James horn 's getting his players off the field. I was watching that, actually. Aiden O'Shea was close enough to the dugout and he got the hell off, got off the field, gave his gloves to a supporter before we get Bernard Flynn giving out about him running <laughs> off the field. So he was but doing he, his own thing, was he? No, they, all, all the players. But like the Mayo fans are crazy. We know they're crazy. So like the last thing James Horn obviously wanted from his players it was to be out celebrating with supporters, getting, you know, uh, claps on the back like they're after winning something when they're not. Mm. And it looked like a smart thing from James Horn to do, Maddie, was just say, come on, get off, get off. This is, this is not a celebration.
1: No, nah, well, he was thinking about Killarney next Saturday night, obviously, straight away. Um, but, like, you know, it just shows to, goes to show what kind of supporters may have that every single match to play. They will invade the pitch after yeah. the other. Absolutely football mad. As I said, I experienced it firsthand the day of the league final um, in Croke Park. But, you know, they're just, they're so into their football. and know they will travel in their thousands again. But it was smart thinking, you know, get them off, get start getting ready. You know, this will be our fourth, fifth weekend in a row. Um, You know, every weekend is getting tougher, but, you know, the, the, as you said, dead men walking and, and I think a good few people would have thought that, but, um, you know, they're far from it and they're the ones going into Killarney next week with all the momentum and, you know, it's no harm to get the lads off and get them tuned into uh into next week again straight away because, you know, it's it's, it's a short turnaround.
2: Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, we have to, say, to mention the car goal here, the second one, obviously, we might mention the first one and some power goalkeeping. In the second part of the show, but the, is there a more spectacular goal in GEA where you're running in from the side, you go outside at about the far top corner, it comes back off the stanchion, you continue your run and you almost run past the ball as it's coming back, coming oh. back out to meet you, like it's it's spectacular. Yeah, it had everything, like just the the
3: power of his run the directness, that finish, but the crowd noise I think was perfect as well the whole way through because. Once they turned the first man, they sort of got excited. Then he beat him, they got more excited. Then when he got past the last tackle, it was like, Holy shit, he's in. And I think that's really attitude as well. And you're right, the yeah. the optics of the ball coming back out it yeah. was that much
2: power on it. It's almost like one then you see some goals and whoever scored it might just drive it back into the goal, or the fella running behind him yeah. will drive it into <laughs> the <laughs> net. You see it in soccer as well, you know. It's just that it has that spectacular nature to it, Matty I'm sure you've buried one into the far top corner before.
1: Probably won at some stage. All it was probably missing was clipping the bottom of the crossbar and then hitting the back stanchion <laughs> and coming back out. But it had every, as regards the finish, it had everything else.
2: Yeah, and like there was no goal on when he got it. There was absolutely no goal. And it was Liam Silk, we'll talk about, it. Liam Silk just poor defending, and Brannigan who terrible defending, just a flimsy effort at stopping him. Now, Carr's a big, strong man but uh, at the same time there was definitely really poor defending Shane Walsh how did he get that in we know Michael Meehan years ago got one against Cork you know you never score those last minute chances (laughs) like this is the goal is lined up everybody's back there and you have a shot you're as well off you've got no chance Meehan did it and that, that was years ago he, uh, he did it against Cork. Oh, and Shane, it, yeah. Shane Walsh, he roofed it. Shane Walsh spotted and beat Clark out in front of the rest of them. And then obviously in through legs. It was a weird one.
1: Yeah, I think it looked kind of like the the angle that we were looking at, kind of from the side, it looked like Clark actually died over. But, you know, the ground was obviously still wet at that stage. Or, you know, it had rained at some stage in it. And, you know, when the ball hits the ground, it does really fly off it. And the goalkeeper obviously took the lead, Clark, by going out in front. And yeah. know, once it went under him, the lads couldn't see where it was going and along the ground. Like you're, you're telling lads the whole time, even one on ones with keeper, put the ball in the ground. It's the hardest place to get down to. Michael Means is an absolute freak It was complete power that time against Cork in, in Croke Park but uh, you know, you know if, if, if Galway had only been three points down at the time it's highly unlikely that goal would have went in yeah. um, but the fact it was six in it um, you know it didn't, it, it
2: didn't really matter as much at the time because yeah. you know they probably weren't going to get a chance to score a second one Maybe that's the thing so the goalkeeper even in hurling and football always stands out in front so maybe you should just say in your head let's beat him under him and the others won't see you know what I mean let's go low to close to his feet he might dive out over it and it'll go under him. I don't know. I'm just trying to think of some potential. Yeah. But in fairness, Liam Silk, he could have learned a lesson or two. How, what was Liam Silk doing scoring that penalty? I spoke with Michael Meehan outside the ground or in the stand after game. I says, what's going on here? He says, he's a specialist. He didn't look like a specialist as he no. telegraphed it. Yeah, like he
3: hit one for UCD, I remember, and it was a good penalty. But the way he ran up there, he had to sort of lace it like the, the way he came straight at the ball. And then when he tried to hit it with the instep then and go that side, like that was never on because I think his run was too straight and then it was very obvious for... Clark, to see yeah. where he was going, and he couldn't get enough purchase to give it to the other side.
2: And that was a very bad penalty. Very, very bad penalty Usually, when you telegraph it to one side, you're actually telegraphing it to whip it back the other side and wrong foot the goalie, Maddie. Like, but this looked like there was n- it wasn't much power on it. If you're going to be Clark, it has to be a penalty like Dermot Connolly in the All Ireland final, which is a rocket into the bottom left, which is usually the go-to pressure penalty for right-footed kickers.
1: Yeah, as again, look, it's, it's on the ground, and that one went along the ground with Jeremy Connelly's, but you know, the one yesterday, I couldn't believe it when I seen uh, Liam Silk standing over, because I was kind of actually wondering during the game, was he playing at all? And then when I showed back uh, James Carr's second goal, you know, he was running after, like he he, he had a poor game all day, you know, confidence, he was on confidence can't be particularly high going up to take, and I was going, jeez, if I was Galway, I'd love to see Shane Walsh standing behind this yeah. penalty, or someone like that, You know, uh, Ian Burke was still there at that stage, Lee, somebody like that, but... Look a, at a specialist penalty taker. Maybe you don't see many cornerbacks in the current no. game coming up to take penalties. And look at realistically, Tark probably could have shuffled across the goal and, and saved that without having to dive. You know, he wasn't even near full full stretch. Um, no. And you know, a, a goal at that stage was huge in that game because all the momentum was with Galway. That would have brought it back to three, and actually straight after that, they were still it's six behind, and actually brought it back to three yeah. with, with three more points. So, yeah. they could have been may, back may level or, then. Mayo were looking a little bit leggy at that stage, and had the goal went in, but. I'd say Galway are kicking themselves this morning, but look at Mayo by far the better team. But you know they could have put real pressure on him. But the penalty, you know, it's it's a really strange one as far as I'm yeah. concerned.
2: He's a big target in the goals, Clark. He's such a big man. Like I mean, it's not an easy penalty on no, him. Look, like you know, but you
1: have to. I think you have to, particularly now the the, the ball has been moved into the, the three meters from the fourteen to. You know, about 11 yards out You have to really put pace on it and and power Especially to, with Clark. I, I, I think with any goalkeeper Because you know Unless they get right behind it They're not saving it I've um, yeah. you know, seen it on numerous occasions Power you know, That's a very short space If you send yeah. the goal And have a guy 11 yards out And put real power on the ball Particularly As I said when the ground is wet Put it along the ground really hard Very hard to get down there Very quick Yeah
2: cl- cl- I agree Clark is like 90% limbs as well <laughs> You know So and you Cla- have to absolutely and, whack it Clark doesn't do that thing Of guessing like other no. goalies He's not going before He's back in his size to get across and that's why pace is so important with him because the only thing will beat him because he's so big, he's getting pace on he's it. He's got these gadget arms and stuff as well, you know, so he can just get down and react quickly. Yeah. McQuillan booked the wrong men. Um, I don't think it made much <laughs> yeah. difference. So, Killian O'Connor really and Ian Burke got booked when it was meant to be Anton Ali and Kevin McLaughlin. I think it was number 13 and 15 or something like that, and he booked the wrong 13 uh, and 15.
1: I, t- I think he booked everyone, to be fair. So, I, d- <laughs> I think he kind of got the right kind of It was a bloodbath at the end, know, wasn't it? Killian O'Connor, I think, was, could have been lucky not to maybe get a second. Year. I don't think he was going to have a big bearing on the game, but, um, you know, I think Joe got around fairly well, and I'd say that book he's reported the end of the
2: game would have took a while and say he mightn't be finished yet. Yeah. The amount of names was in the book. Killian O'Connor is a pup of the highest order. Like he got kind that yellow. Now Killian O'Connor deserved the yellow as well. So they're both pushing each other, they're both holding on. He's holding on to Kine so he can't go for a, a kick out. Kind's pushing him in the chest. Kind goes a little bit too high and pushes kinda of punches him in the chest a bit high, maybe at the neck. Killian O'Connor goes down holding his face. There was two at a the minute, then kind gets the yellow. Killian O'Connor gets a free That he sticks over the bar He is a pup of the highest order As yeah. cynical We know this anyways That's the way That's yeah. the way he plays
3: He's always sticking to defenders Off the ball and stuff As well as he runs over With his hands out and Oh yeah It must be just so annoying for them Like you know And so part of me always wonders why is he getting involved, in it, especially as a forward. Like it, there's no other forward. I think it gets involved as much. I think much he, as
2: he enjoys does. it. I think he enjoys being that in that. So um, I always
3: wonder. Maybe does that keep him focused? Does maybe. that just keep him just sort maybe. of taking away?
2: And <laughs> we we know like we've said this before. Like Mayo, Emma Fitzmars has been out on record to say Mayo are a very cynical team. And if you look at the teams that Mayo play regularly, like Kerry hate Mayo, Galway hate Mayo, Dublin hate Mayo. Do you know what I mean? It's not like we love Mayo because we want them to win in all Ireland, but it's not like Mayo on the field or some sort of angels go around the place. They're far from it.
1: No, they look. yet the, uh, yesterday was really obvious with about seven, eight minutes to go when they were the five or six points up. Their tactical fouling, kind of around the, the Galway half back line, was really noticeable, and they're actually very, very good at it because they don't pull guys down. Um, they're not giving away yellow cards at big late hits. They're ca- catching them, holding on to them, giving a free backing off, and they're not cards, and and they're, and they're not cards in my opinion. Um, and they're very, very good at it. it slows it down. It just gives them a chance to get back in. The position and uh, as I said they're not picking up cards for it to do it very well. But look at the, the players like Killian O'Connor, he's no absolutely no angel. Um but like they're getting plenty of hardship as well and you know maybe he's only wanting to give give back a bit of what he's yeah, getting. I but think um, all
2: the all the top teams are at this kind of stuff anyways. There are. They're they play with that edge to it and that, that's the way it is. Kevin Walsh um didn't want to talk about his future um after the game. They're all like that now. Um, he says look I'm not going to get into that. What we want to make sure that this group go out with their heads held high and not listen to crap outside um, I think Kevin Walsh listened to too much crap with the way he changed his tactics and played Mayo at a game that Mayo are much better on. But anyways, we'll talk about that in part two. He said, we're certainly up for it, which was great. And we're certainly up for it in the last minute. Now, they were definitely up for it because off camera, I was at the game and the whole, the entire Galway half back line just start hitting their markers just before the ball was thrown in. Like O'Donnell, who you wouldn't think will be into that, just starts lacing uh, Jason Daugherty. Um Daly at centre-backs at it with, with McLaughlin and the far side as well just They're just punching him into the chest like i mean it was and then the crowd see this and they all start roaring there was a great atmosphere as the ball was being thrown in because it's like galloway are up for it Mayor up for it you know what I mean let's yeah. see what happens here and there was a bit of argy-bargy at the throw in as well as well yeah as well, there, there, was a lead, there. Ed, there was a real
3: edge to it I thought that was hilarious because that went down for about a minute and they were all trying to block off everybody and then O'Shea just caught it
2: anyway <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. but like I mean the, the, the one thing I would do if, if I was a Galway manager is I would be converting an outfield player into goalkeeper Lavelle's not good enough and Power's not good enough and that I don't want it to be disrespectful to the two players but they're not and they're changing them around and they're neither them good enough at the kick out part of it, and I'm not sure they're good enough at even the fielding part of it. And they're both not that big, and they don't look that mobile either of them. It might be a thing of getting Fintan or Corrine or one of them. Mid- Seriously, like I mean, it's worth experimenting with because obviously that that's not there, there's not any more goalkeepers. because Walsh has been there five years, and this is these are the two goalkeepers they're landing. I like Powers wearing a hat the other night in the rain. Yeah, no. Something not right About that lads
1: <laughs> No look at there's There's been a Questionable A question, very questionable Goal conceded by both um, In the last two games Um know the the Connacht final and then obviously Bernard Powers the other day where you're like look at that's at inter County level that's just not good enough you know it gives you know you're saying about uh, Galway being really up for it at the start the war before was true in but I'm not sure the war after that because you know Mayo literally ran through and you don't want to hand a team like Mayo go like that and once they got a 6-7 point lead even though there's a long time left it was kind of game over Unfortunately, Gal- the way Galway play and the way they have been playing and as how flat they were in the Connacht final it was very hard to see them coming back now look they did manage to play themselves back into it but it was very very hard to see them getting back and winning the game and you know as, we, as you said they've changed completely from the Connacht final where they carried everything and hand passed everything to like they were kicking everything the other day and kicking long and kicking often and look, it wasn't really working. And the, you're just looking through the quality of the players that they have, and it's, it's just baffling um, that t- t- they don't be a little bit more attacking. Look, they may all do it the whole time and sacrifice a little bit at the back. They are going to concede, but um, you know Galway kind of caught between both, where they weren't really defending properly and they certainly weren't attacking properly. Because I think only two forwards or maybe one forward scored from playing the whole game. So. You know, but there is a, There's a serious Galway team there. I think for somebody, whether it's Kevin Moyle or somebody so. else, to to uh to look after.
2: I made a prediction three years ago. I was saying that exact same thing that Galway would win an All Ireland in the next three years. So that's gone buried. Yeah, it
3: was year three, and it just got it was worse. Year three, and it just kind <laughs> going backwards. Well, yeah. And
2: you actually qualified
3: it this year by saying, if you get to the All Ireland final, you're taking it as a success. <laughs> so there you go. That's the three year
2: prediction <laughs> that we've been all all waiting on has just <laughs> completely hasn't come in. Um, Peter Hart Blackard. Like, I mean, we, we let's talk about this because. Because this, this is a weird one in that um, Mickey Hart's saying that they're going to appeal it. He says, of course, we will when he was asked. I think anyone in the right mind will know that um, we will, because I don't think any of the three of them were for what the black card was brought in for, where there's a deliberate intent in any of those things. Now, I would argue to say that there was intent in it because he'd lost the ball. He was pissed off and he tri- he, kicked, he kicked out with your man as he was tackling because he was pissed off. Right. So that for me, that's obvious. Is it a black card or is it a yellow card? You see, I think he kind of kicked at him petulantly because he'd lost the ball. It's not a it's not a cynical black card. Maybe falling on the yellow card, but it, it was absolutely a trip, lads. It was. He tackled them and kicked them at the same time because he was pissed off. He he hadn't yeah. collected a ball he should have. His man took the ball kind of off him. And in frustration, he went back to kind of, I don't know, get a little bit of, just lay something on him. What do you think? I think he's, he's leading him with his foot a lot when he's tackling. Yeah, he did that with Ryan McHugh too. Yeah. And leading him with his they foot.
3: They're both the same ones, like the, the one against Calvin and Donny Golan. maybe that's like I'd say when you're in a Tyrone team, the analysis you're looking at a lot boys being highlighted probably weak tackles. You know where players are running past people, and maybe that's a symptom of that where he's just making sure his body's in the way of somebody. And if somebody is going to get past, them, they're going to get foiled anyway. So in that regard, it will be a deliberate trip. It comes back to whether you think that should be a black card or not. But I think it is. I do think he'll get his black card or suspension overruled because the Longford one... Seemed very harsh That wasn't a black yard I don't think I can't remember that one off. It was a really actually. weird one It was just uh, There was a player going down After catching the ball And he was sort of His arms around him and Right So he just has to down. get
2: one off One of the three For it to be re- yeah. For the suspension So I think uh, like He gets to, he gets
3: to appeal all three of them Now that he has three Yeah
2: so. What do you think of it Maddie? The big excuse is Why would you want to do it And I understand that theory Why would you want to do it But like I mean You can have a rush of blood To, he- to the head And do something You didn't mean to do like it's not like a red card anyone means to get the red card you just do something mistimed and you get the red card like why would you want to get sent off in a big game like that's not really a defence why would you do it he, like he yeah, did no, it
1: that, that, that isn't a defence in fairness but I I genuinely do think it's just it's awful kind of tackling technique yeah he leads his foot and his knee does go in so it's not as if it's a guy going by him and he throws his right or left foot out like the Ryan McHugh one is very similar to the one the other day where the, and they've showed him, showed him numerous times and from a couple of different angles and he leads with Foot and knee, so it's not as if he's going in to trip him when he's going by him, ranked like that. Ryan McHugh was actually running sideways across the field, yeah. it wasn't as if he was going by him heading for goal. So, I think it's actually really it's more bad technique. And, I, I in fairness, I think actually all three even probably were yellow cards. I didn't see, I genuinely yeah. didn't see a black in any of them. Um, and I, I, I like Conan, I think he'll get it overruled as well. And yeah. I think he'll be playing the next time.
2: I'd agree, I think they're on more the yellow card line than black cards, but like I don't think they're definitely not black cards either. You know, there it's, it's the black card is a weird one. I do take. Uh, referees should use their common sense and go this is not a dangerous situation it's in the middle of the field is it cynical it's absolutely not cynical it's stupid and it was a little bit petulant and probably I would be on the line of saying it's a harsh black card but uh, like he needs to see, he yeah. needs to start copping onto to this because like if you're leading with the foot you're in that trip category and referees don't it's so too close for comfort, too close yeah. for comfort. Like, that's I mean, all
3: Barry Cassidy cares about it's not really if it's cynical it's that he deliberately tripped him that his foot need to be there I don't think it did yeah. so, yeah. so he it.
2: needs to stop that he definitely needs to stop that um, obviously Tyrone won really well in the end so it wasn't a big deal uh, Mickey Graham didn't mince his words after the game very disappointing he says I don't think now is the time for post mortems it's time for taking it on the chin and we we'll get up tomorrow morning and move on there's going to be uh, disappointment for a long time after this. So I don't think that's moving on. (laughs) Um, While we probably took a few steps forward this year, it feels like we've taken five steps back today. We did not see that scoreline coming, but sometimes a reality check of where we're at and where we need to get to. A difficult one. I don't think that's the reality of where Kavanagh are at necessarily. They didn't score from play until the 28th minute. I think it's like it just shows how much confidence, momentum, all these intangibles... Are so important. Like they had, no, they had none of either of those two. Tyrone have lots of them. They're physically still in shape after an Ulster final, but just where your head is at is such an important thing. And yeah, momentum and confidence, like it is, like it can't, it can't even be underestimated.
1: No, the performance to me the other day looked a little bit like what we don't Wexford on numerous years where you know we threw everything into Leinster back in a time when you actually we actually could could have won Leinster, and once we were beaten we kind of threw our hat at it, even though it wasn't said. We knew by the performance the following week, we ended up losing three, four years out of five, I think, the following week or a couple of weeks later in the qualifiers because we'd le- left everything in Leinster. That was kind of our championship. We didn't see the bigger picture maybe getting to a quarter final, which would have been huge for us at the time and just kind of everything was thrown out after you lost that match in Leinster and uh, it looked a little bit similar like that with Kevin the other day And but in fairness, Tyrone our experts are experts at closing down the opposition's better players. You know, McVitie, Mackey. McKiernan and Riley, you know, I think a point from play between the four of them and once you take the four of those out you know you're going a long way to beating to beating Cavan and to are uh, experts at closing down players like that and they never got a sniff you know Martin Riley was off at half time and you know, game over.
2: Yeah, they need those players more than anybody else, Cavan. And like, listen, Tyrone are just too good at this. They're, look, they always beat Cavan anyways, but they're just too good at this stage of the championship. Last game before Super 8, after two or three good wins, and Cavan not at that same race. I went Tyrone minus four there. Like, I mean, it was the easiest prediction yeah. that you're ever going to go with, like, to be honest. Um Ronan Kharty, uh had some comments after Leash we uh, were hammered by Cork. Cork had a brilliant performance. Jesus, there's some naive stuff from Leash. You'd have to say leaving their two lads inside exposed like that, and Hurley and Collins going to the cleaners. But he said, This is where every player wants to be, playing the All Ireland Champions above a Croak Park. What more could you want? If you don't want to be there, you shouldn't be here at all. I like the it. Grand, it's a rallying cry, it's whatever. It's in contrast to what Donegal said last year when they had to go play Dublin away. For Dub- Dublin getting their home game In Croke Park Like it just shows Where Cork are at Delighted to be in the Super Eights. Where Donegal were at <laughs> Wanting to think, get out of the Super Eights. H- do you know what I mean It's a big, final, a big yeah. difference Yeah um, It's going to be a big difference From playing
3: Limerick And no disrespect Leash To going to Croke Park And playing yeah. Dublin as well So we'll see how it feels
2: after after playing them. And he maybe. might change his shoe next year. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, but it is, actually it's thinking it's ahead, true yeah. though, like he's delighted. He's in the Super Eights now. It's almost like this was our target immediate worry for these teams that are just delighted to get there because that's when hammerings get dished yeah. out in the Super Eights. Yeah,
1: well, you know, after the last year, year and a half, and particularly their league campaign this year, you know, any bit of progress at all, you have to grab it and hold on to it. And look at uh, as we said, no disrespect to Limerick or Leash, but they've handed out two hammerings to them. But no, it is going to be a different different uh, kettle of fish the next day in Croke Park but look at they've put up two really big scores they've, they've played some really really good football yeah um, I said it's going to be a different but that look at they have a little bit of confidence you know we're just talking about Tyrone and teams like that you know victories and and performance like that give you a bit of confidence and they will have confidence going into Croke Park and they've always been able to score against Dublin yeah. but it's it's what's going to happen the other end is going to going to be the deciding that's, factor I think
2: that's going to be a fantastic game I'm looking forward to previewing it on Thursday because Cork have the distribution and the inside forwards that will hurt Dublin and we know Dublin will offer you 2 on twos in there if you get the ball in fast enough so I think that could be a great game now obviously you would worry for Cork um, on the other side John um, Sugru said "It's A tough day at the office We came up against a team We couldn't match today And it's disappointing We're out now And that's a year done Progress made in the league But no progress made In the championship They're a good bunch um, And they work hard But there's more work To be done Progress made in the league But no progress made In the championship I was given out last week About managers trying to Dress up years That weren't successful And Sugru's a very Straight talker Like and that's it Progress made Like he could say Well we had a great win Against Westmead in Leinster And you know we followed it up with some great uh, qualifier wins he's saying we made no progress because we're knocked out at the same stage last year and that's it yeah. you know he's not trying to I like that he's a straight talker and he's not a bullshitter and in fairness though like
3: that, that stage is the last 12 Of the All-Ireland And that's He took over a Division 4 team So you yeah.
2: do that two years in a row It's still good It's as far as Leash can get If we're being really honest yeah. Like I mean Le- Leash can't get it Le- If Leash got into that Super 8 Imagine them being in that Kerry, Mayo, Donegal group For example Like you'd worry You'd yeah. worry If that's what Cork are doing to them like you'd have to say John Sugar is not without blame leaving Dennis Boot on Hurley for so long looked oh. like madness it only looked like Trevor Collins was moved on to him at the very, at, towards the very end now we're working off uh, highlights here so I don't want to be too harsh on him but like Garrett Dillon was left on Mark Collins he got 1-8, one one 4 from play and Hurley got 2-4 four four from play. play like the simple thing and the oldest thing in the book is just at least switch those two yeah. and see is the matchup going to improve no cover for them so, like, I mean, when this ship starts sinking, I know it's not your philosophy to play a sweeper, but Jesus Christ, you and I know you're, it's not easy to use your centre back as a sweeper because they have to follow Rory Dean or whoever. Jeez, you have to take off a forward and bring on a back. Like, you're being destroyed. Like, this was just wide open stuff where Brian Hurley's just getting a diagonal ball, yeah. a simple sidestep and a goal. It's like, too easy now. It was
3: by the time his second goal came, around, I could not believe the Booth was still on him because he was—he was being rinsed. Like, yeah. You know, and like this didn't seem to have the pace.
2: To see, up. but boot's not able for him. I've marked Boots years ago in club. Boot's not able for a fast lad. Like boot's a big, strong yeah. fella. Like and there's a there's a a certain team boot could be good against. You know, and players yeah. that he's a good match for. But it's not Brian Hurley. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> it's just not. So like I mean, it was unfortunate for it's unfortunate for him, and it, it it's always the case after having a good year and then get a hammering like that and then you wonder, was it a good year? You know, like, I'm actually think- wondering as a supporter, like, I mean, <laughs> looking back on a promotion, uh, running the qualifiers and to go out the same round to Monaghan last year and Cork this year, and I think Cork have improved a lot. Um, I don't, I think Leash can hold their heads up high, you know, like, I mean, I don't think they were beating Cork.
3: How do you think, I feel, as a dairy supporter who lost to Leash? This is quite sobering for me now as well. <laughs> you yeah. see the Cork are doing that to... To leash.
2: Yeah, no exactly. Yeah, but that, that that's the king. I, I do I do think um and then thinking this with the leash hurlers as well, you'd love for them to go up against Tipperary and and, and put in a really good account for themselves. Like haven all these teams that go out on a low Roscommon last year, get into Super 8s and then they got hammered in super race to the point where it's like we have to change our manager. So it went from being a really good thing to a really bad thing very quickly.
1: Yeah, know, it takes all the good out of the season, you know, when you end on on the back of a bit of a hiding like that. But you know, the lights of Leash, in fairness, as you said, John Sugar's been straight up. You know, they don't really want moral victories, but you know, had to went out with a couple of points couple of pints lost to Cork. You know, it would have been seen as a reasonably su- successful well, season. Oh, you would have said it was there, a very look, good season. Realistically, Leash are not a top eight team. There's probably only Maybe two, three teams that aren't in the super eights potentially could be in it, um, that would be the top eight. Yeah. Um so I think all the teams in it are either division one last year or next year, I think, with the exception of one. So, you know, we're probably are are have got the best eight teams are very, very close to it as left from the championship. Yeah. So, you know, I don't think they can have too many complaints. I either. agree.
2: I think they're even they're probably overachieving getting into the last twelve, which is halfway up division two. Do you know what I mean? Which is not where they were they were batting. So, like I mean, it's not it's definitely not all doom and gloom. Claire and Mead was a classic in a Moor Park lads out. Well, it was a classic first half. Second half was just full of mistakes and giving the ball away. It was a weird one. But Jesus, spectacular scores from Clare was an absolute feature of the first half. My God, Jamie Malone, four points from play. We'll talk about him in performance at the weekend. He was unreal. It's mad the way Claire are able to get their go-to men on the ball. When, when, when Brennan makes a run, when Gary Brennan makes a run, he's getting that ball. When Jamie Malone comes on a burst, he's getting it. The other players are facilitating these, you know, top level players they have. These are their division ones. Tuberty, he's always been looked for and I think that's fantastic. They make the most of what they have. The other players are working hard to give it to the match winners. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, and look, it worked, it worked very well From it He actually nearly caught him in the end. Now look, I think over the balance of the game, Mead were definitely the better team and they were well ahead, you know, when Mickey Newman went off as well and then, um, Harington comes through and has a great goal chance to would have killed the game off, but like that's what Clare have been over the last four or five years to stick in. They've been punching above their weight, you know. I'd I, like I'm absolutely nothing against me and delighted to see him back in Division One and in, in the Super 8s So I'd love to see Clare in the Super 8s so it would have kind of put all the work they've done over the last three or four or five seasons. Um, you know, would have would have been something well deserved. But um, you know, absolutely some of the scores in the first half from uh, from uh, Jamie Malone were ridiculous. Outside of the yeah. boot, in step stepping inside guys, and you say. They kept getting the important fellas, the the, the real the guys that they really want on the ball. And when they wanted it, they got it. And look, they made stuff happen. Uh, David Tuberty the same. You know, There's a lot of really, really good footballers playing from a small pool. And
2: they ought to have made the very best of it. it. It reminded me of Dublin, Donegal years ago. Do you remember when Dublin started that game? They were kicking points, Connolly and Flynn from all outside. Yeah. And I was thinking, Geez, Claire, yeah. Claire can't keep up these spectacular points. And Meade were working scores. They were getting scores through working it up the field. Whereas... Claire were depending on spectaculars. So while it was a draw at half time, you're thinking... Jesus Christ Claire can't keep this level and it didn't I think yeah. Kyle O'Connor got a spectacular one the second half and that was it you know they kind of went back and Claire hadn't been working scores as well do you know what I mean so I thought that was kind of how the game panned out yeah me were clipping the over from like 13, 20 yards because you know, they were just running straight it through worked. them yeah and Claire were relying on a bit of brilliance which is
3: exactly like the dublin dummy goal game
2: 2014 yeah. so the, you mentioned harnan 's uh, effort I got a text message off Billy Sheen who's a fisted point aficionado so I'm running a campaign to ban the fisted point Um, he thinks Harnan should have fisted that over the bar now it was Shane Walsh was inside I think he took the wrong option in not giving it an air rather than fisting the, the point Gary Brennan fisted a point in the first half and it's one of the few occasions where I would allow a fisted point there was no goal on there. There was two defenders right in front of him and either kick it over or fist it over. He just has a big club of a hand. <laughs> 20 <and> yards. <laughs> <inches>. <laughs> yeah. So I can, I'll accept Brennan's fisted point even though I'm, I'm, I am I'm hate the fisted point. Uh, but I don't take Billy, Sheen, uh, Billy Sheen's analysis that Harnan should have fisted it over the bar.
1: No, not at that angle he was coming at. It. And, you know, probably going to the open side of the keeper was probably the smarter play and on the ground. You know, who was, if he had a... If he had a Keeper or sorry, if the ball had been on target at the side he went, the keeper was probably still getting there it was the perfect height for the keeper, you know, maybe waist high off the ground and the yeah. keeper came out in fairness and made himself big. But you know, as we were saying about Shane Walsh's goal, you know, put the ball on the ground. Keepers you know, a keeper's gonna come leading with the legs, so he's gonna be off the ground, there is gonna be space. Obviously the, in that situation, the right ball was a hand pass across the ball or across the goal to Shane Walsh to Palm it in the same as Mickey Newman's. It's simple simple goal and game over.
2: Yeah. But, and um, you know the technique of doing that though, Matty, like that's very difficult. So you do that in training, you'd always try to fool the goalie on his near side. But in a match with a lot of pressure on, stick that on your laces to the far corner if, the, if you're going to do it at all. Like I mean, that's a tra- That was a training effort at a goal, really, yeah, wasn't
1: it? Laces and along the ground because I said it's the hardest place to keep her, and particularly close to him, he can't move his feet quick enough to get down to it because a lot of them will come and lead with the feet, which means they're going to be off the ground. So there is there's spa- there, there will always be space somewhere. Whether it's under him, over him, or to decide him. And in that situation, there was definitely none to decide the him. There was obviously a good bit to the left, and there was going to be some under him. Or he said the ball across the goal. And Mickey Newins was, a, was, you know, was a, a, a tap in, a walk in for. And you know, teams hate conceding goals like that because it looks so easy and had to score that one. Um, you no, know, it was game over. But himself and uh, Donald Kyogan all day absolutely ran the show, just coming forward a will to set up a goal apiece um Jorgensen scored a point as well I think um yeah, the were, they were excellent all day and I think Clare by sitting back and allowing the two of those to have the ball you know probably cost them the game
2: yeah maybe it did Gary Brennan actually started the first played the whole first half in center half fo- or center half forward and didn't contest some of the kickouts which I thought was ga- gas but one good thing of him holding that center forward is Harnan man marked him and he held the 45 that link man like I didn't really think of him as that link man and he didn't come back to field that much unless he had to chase Harnan and he was constantly showing left and yeah. right and gave Clare some great shape. And uh, weirdly, when he went to midfield in the second half, Clare lost their shape altogether. You yeah. know, they didn't have that working a through the lines option. So uh, I don't know where, why I would be promoting taking Gary Brennan out of midfield, but it was just, like, you need two Gary Brennans, yeah. one in midfield and one in centre-half forward. And he was actually on the ball more in the first half. Um, like,
3: this, there's some stats uh, on the website, actually. He got more touches in the first half from centre-forward than he did in midfield, where normally he dominates so much. But... He took so much ball from kick passing which he, again you wouldn't really sort of associate with him but he was yeah. running out winning ball and turning as Taking he was winning Taking his man on being, yeah. uh,
2: very very good Yeah no he definitely was Right listen we'll, we'll finish up there lads we'll come back and we'll talk about the mayo Galway game
0: We have a game there
1: about half three. if you, <laughs> if you, if you, wouldn't, mind, if you wouldn't mind joining us.
0: <laughs>
1: didn't even start like, didn't even go for the bag. Took his line, took his extra five minutes, it was like, it was like the snooze button. Hit the, hit the snooze button for another five minutes. Rolled out of bed. 1-7 that day.
2: OK, lads, so this was surprising just talking about Galway's tactics because, like, I mean it was definitely a strange one this was this was a convincing win for Mayo let's be honest don't let the scoreline fool you yeah, Galway I know got it back to three and Mayo had gone asleep for a good while and then Mayo got a couple of points and then, it, you know it was game, I think it was game over once there was six in it um, in fairness to Galway they left three players up at all times Farah Burke and Walsh on the 40 as the link man grand wouldn't have much problem with that they were defending with everyone else the big difference in their tactics is when they lost the ball they weren't turning around and going back into their zones and waiting for Mayo they were trying to turn Mayo over all over the field right leaving no sweeper in front of their full back line Silk tried to drop back off Carr if Carr dropped into midfield he tried to do a bit of sweeping but that was it. A lot of the time he wasn't. So their full back line was completely exposed. This was a completely new Galway tactics. These were Mayo tactics. Like there was times in a game where Mayo have everybody back bar one or two. You know how those stages of game, depending on if defenders are going up the field. Galway were completely open against Mayo when zonal defending had frustrated Mayo to the point that beaten him seven times in a row. This was Kevin Walsh bending to pressure of changing. And I've been one... Trying to put pressure on him to change, but not against Mayo when this really works against Mayo. You know what I mean? Why? In my head, I don't know, Maddie. I think maybe they lost the Connacht final. They made a decision to change. We're changing our style. Maybe, the, maybe it was player led. Who knows? They might have had a meeting. And that was before they drew Mayo the following Saturday and they had decided this, you know what I mean, without saying, all oh, right, well now we've Mayo, will we go back? They probably just said full steam ahead, which it was a mistake.
1: Yeah, it was strange one to kind of change in midstream, especially with only two weeks, I think, in between the game, you know, to go from kind of nearly all-out out, all defence to all-out attacking. Yeah. And you one know, week from when they drew Mayo, Yeah, you know. It'd be strange being in that Galway fullback line where normally you have two, three guys in front of you, and now all of a sudden you're two on two or three on three, and that's a totally different ball game. Um, you know, Mayo popping lovely little balls in in front of Killian O'Connor and Darren Cohn and all these guys in the turn, and you know taking shots at will or laying it off to runners coming through her. Before you know the the whole middle was blocked up in particular. And if there were scoring against against Galway in previous matches from out wide, but you know an awful lot of of Galway or Mayo scores were in and around that D. You know, under not not even under that much pressure to be honest. Um, and the one first point you made about it, and I noticed that very, very obviously after a few minutes that when when Galway lost the ball there was a lot of guys jogging backwards where before they are already either in position or absolutely flat out trying to get back there yeah. you know, in previous it was con- seasons. A
2: bit confused. A bit confused. Yeah, yeah, they were
1: absolutely caught between both but like it's very hard the way they've been playing over the last two or three seasons to try and change that in two weeks I think is virtually impossible. As good of footballers they are and as good of individuals as they have, it's very, very, you know, it's a serious mind change over the space of two weeks with probably only maybe four or five training sessions. I
2: think it's nearly impossible. It was. And like, I mean, but this is the game Mayo are good at. So you're taking Mayo on at their own game with not much practice at it. Like, it's bizarre what they decided to do. Like, because this is Mayo's bread and butter, a nice open footballing game. Um, in fairness like after the terrible start from Galway like Karen was getting roasted by Killian O'Connor and you fouled him he was taken off uh, very early 25 minutes then he ran up the field and tried to kick a pint after a big long run and you're like what are you doing um, then fouled Killian O'Connor O'Connor was cleaning him out I thought when Kine came on or when Sean uh, Andy, uh, Andy O'Kelly came on he played well and there was some very good one on one defending from Galway after the initial first 50 minutes when they were all over the place
3: yeah, and you don't normally get to see the one-on-one defending, but it was good to sort of appreciate these players. The yeah, Karen was an interesting one. I know he was getting cleaned out, but again, I always hate when cornerbacks get taken off when they're getting cleaned out. It's Could you not just swap on onto another player and see how he goes there? But Kevin Wolf seems to treat the yellow cards as a black card almost. So as soon as a player gets a yellow card, they come off, and it was the same as Sean Kelly, I think, at halftime got a yellow
2: card and he, he didn't appear again for the second yeah. half. So, but do you know what about Kelly? Kelly's not fast. Kelly's not Kelly suited that zonal thing where he was just yeah. standing in around. I don't think Kelly's good enough as a as he was playing wing back because um, Killian McDade went, marked uh, Donny Vaughan man marked him so, you know I, I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have had any problem with uh, Kelly coming off because he came off for Colmer I'm pretty sure yeah it was yeah. Comer. it's actually easier energy wise as well they
3: played the way Galway were playing before I know there's a lot of running involved but you go back and you get set up and teams are so afraid to come at you now that you get a lot of rest when you're in behind that 45 yeah. whereas when they're trying to go a bit more attacking get more
2: players up the pitch then they have to track all these Mayo runners who are bombing forward see I know listen I have to hold my hands up and say I don't mind Galway changing Galway had to change to move on because they tried the other one I just have a problem them changing against Mayo when they tried and tested like changing against Dublin because it didn't work and you were hammered is one thing they beat them seven times in a row (laughs) they frustrated Mayo they gave them no space Mayo got clearly frustrated they got men sent off seven in a row Whatever you've decided to do, go back and use yeah. what beat them. Get into your Super 8s and then play your your more attacking football.
1: Yeah, Tyrone, look at a uh, kind of changed changed tack against Donegal this year as well, and it absolutely didn't work. Now look at it was it wasn't just I think the game plan that day it was kind of it looked like a bit of attitude. They've gone back to what they do very well, and they've absolutely breezed through the through the qualifiers, and there'll be an absolute there'll be a serious. Um, opposition for anyone, but you know Galway, as you say, definitely should have done the same. You know, stu- stick to what was working to still have players, still have very, very good players and very, very good forwards. Um, but you know, it's worked against Mayo, and then just to change a week out or you know, probably a week out because they only know what the opposition is.
2: Then is, is kind of a bit bizarre. That's the thing, and like I mean, like ironically their forwards didn't even perform well in this more attacking play. (laughs) Do you know, because they were all over the place. And like, I mean, they couldn't, a did a brilliant job on Shane Walsh. He was all over him and Shane Walsh got to hold the 40 because Durkin didn't go forward at all. He just did an old-fashioned man-marking job on Shane Walsh. They couldn't get good ball high up the field. Their kickouts were poor. Um when they went to midfield they weren't winning them so they couldn't get any quality possession around midfield to be able to give good ball inside Do you know the ball inside was shitty and it was coming straight back out and Farah wasn't winning and it, Burke was getting them out near the corner and Mayor or and it, it was just it was a bit all over the place in that first half from Galway
3: Part of me was wondering does Shane Walsh actually suit the way they were playing like going deeper getting ball and coming through the middle with it rather than being on the 40 I know we always say with half forwards needing to hold the line but he did one run in the second half and I was like oh Jesus yeah Shane Walsh is, is here like, you know, yeah. when he wasn't influential at all especially in the first half maybe he needs to go deeper and get the ball
2: yeah because see, Colin Boyle was back covering him as well so he yeah. kind of had to contend with two men see, this is another thing like if you Shane Walsh is in a very important role you have to realise Colin Boyle will be dropping in front of him where's Colin Boyle's man don't drop so deep the Colin Boyle's just easily able to drop off you you know you have to no, you, you have, have to get, you have to engage uh, him you have to I, plan I, I, for I'm all eventualities
1: yeah, here it takes him away from Shane Walton. and look at it, it's like we were saying with Claire, Claire get the most important influential guys on the ball this is what Galway needs to do with the likes of Shane Walsh so if whoever Boyle is supposed to be marking keep him further up the field that he actually o- occupies Boyle's Bile- mind and he can actually see him somewhere that he has to pick him up you know you take a bit of room away from or, from or give Walsh a bit extra room and I think it starts to make things happen a lot of the ball has been kicked into the full far line it was from a long long Too way far out, which, yeah. which meant you know, it gives the defender that extra second or two you know 30-40 yard passes are much harder to intercept than the 50-60 yard ones that were kicking in Now, while they were a decent ball, you know, they were kicking into a load of space, but the guy was completely isolated, like uh, Burke was winning ball out on the sideline completely on his own, because the rest of his support was far too far away from him.
2: That's the thing. So, like, I mean, the change to that is maybe go two and two and not just have Walsh on his own, you know, let make sure Brannigan or Heaney or someone, even though they like to go back. They're two players who have regressed badly, badly in the last couple of years, both Heaney and Brannigan. Like, I mean, they were two of their... Very important players and they've gone back to not performing well at all. But that's the answer to that. So Shane Walsh was being man-marked by Durkin tightly and, and Boyle maybe covering, say Walsh didn't have both sides yeah. to run because Boyle was one. So then he was kind of snookered. So then they, they had to uh, avoid him and go long from way f- too far back. And that was Galway's game plan there. Straight away kind of messed up. They weren't getting possession off. kickouts far enough out the field to be able to give in good ball. They were working off scraps under kickouts. Like Johnny Heaney seems to... It was gas. Johnny Heaney seems to be a target for one of their kickouts. He's standing on the 45 on the sideline. And Jason Doherty's on him and he's just standing a few yards in field. A yeah. smart thing to do, yeah. watching him. We've talked about this in the show before. So if that's going to get to Johnny Heaney, Jason Doherty's going to get to him before or the flight kind of the, of the, the ball, ball comes is, yeah. to him. So it's just like... And he's isolated on the sideline. And, side and he's isolated. And it was actually the kick out to him that led to the goal it went over, over Heaney's the, head over, over the, the sideline side and straight from that then it was a miss hit shot from Cohen and power uh, um, made good. a made a mess of it and it was a goal
3: Yeah I actually thought like Mayo sort of were tempting Galway into playing that short I think they wanted them to play the short ball Yeah like they over- I think they did. but they
2: zoned it we've said this before yeah. zonal is the way to go Exactly and know, and on the, Sorry man mark the full forward line because you don't want them to tap to them but anywhere back from that there's enough flight yeah. on the ball that the zonal lads will, will be able to land to to at that imagine. point yeah. and then when Galway went short it gave me enough time to set up or
3: foul like they did around that middle third they were able to foil him so the game down and I think there was only two scoring frees that Galway got the whole thing because Mayo were smart about it but like in the other side of it it was so strange where Galway were just going man for man and there was one time I think Peter Cook had supported the play down the right hand side Galway ended up kicking it wide I think it was Farah kicked it wide and then you saw Peter Cook coming running across the camera the whole way over to the other wing, trying to get to Aiden O'Shea, who David Clerk has just popped the ball out to 40 yards from goal. And it was left for Peter Cook to go from wing
2: so to So they wing weren't to communicating. Up, yeah, at all. that's terrible. Yeah, there yeah. should have been
1: somebody closer to that to just move across yeah. the line or something like that. But That's I think fairly basic communication, isn't would it? imagine. So it's like going through the lines. you know. There's no point in a half hour running to the half back line. You, know, you get to midfield to drop back a line, and you go back a line, and you're, everyone is back in position. But yeah. I think power was kind of, in fairness, sold down the river a little bit. I think i seen a stat last night he had more possession than any Galway outfield player where you know he took a short kick out and took it back and the number of times where maybe a full back as Sean Andy O'Callaghan a few times fizzed past the ball back to power and actually ran off rather than being an option for him to take it again and right, here he's sold on the ball around, around the D not knowing what to do with it Like and you know, it's no wonder that, uh, you know, he had more possession than any of the Galway outfield players. And, you know, Mayo were absolutely... Light. They had squeezed up on him. They weren't giving him a target. And he said, you know, he's not the best kicker out of hand. And, uh, you know, they were just putting pressure on themselves.
2: Yeah. The the, the the rule that's going to prevent going back to the goalkeeper is a good one, though. It avoids that. They're just catching it and going straight back and then continuing to play. And then the goalie's yeah. running out, tapping on his toe. He's no options. Everyone's paired off. And it just doesn't look good for the game, does it? So what's your... Like, is your proposal to keepers not allowed to be passed the ball at all from a kick out I think from a a kick out pass straight back to him I think from a kick out would rule it from play it's difficult because Mm -hmm. you know there's a good
3: like rule in like five a side football where the keeper gives it to you you're not allowed to give it back to him at any level so you can't just keep doing that Little passing it back to the keeper, right?
2: But you can give it to the goalkeeper if he makes this mad run out at the end. Yeah, so and yeah. he that's has to. The be you, or that's or 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 the thing or 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 you don't want it to prevent, really, because yeah, there's a bit of yeah. kind of drama about yeah, the goalie yes. landing up and maybe getting the pass. You don't want to. You don't want to prevent that, but I do. Maybe if the goalie gives it to you in any, in any, you can't give it back. You him, can't give it back but to somebody him. else.
3: Can, but then it means he has to be bolder to, if he wants to get the ball. So okay. somebody else will have to. Get we'll him.
2: have to do another show about this. <laughs> as this is up for debate for the next, uh, the next congress. Um, yeah, I mentioned Boyle sweeping. Comer came on at half-time and. Like, he was trying a bit too hard. Like, he he, he took on his man when he got at the very first ball. And it's almost like when you're coming back from injury. I remember my debut, someone said to me, and it's the most simple advice ever, play your way into the game. Don't give away the first one or two. Hand pass them off. And I did exactly that. And about 15 minutes into the game, I was thinking, jeez, I've been on the ball three times. And these things going through your head, I haven't given it away, I feel good. Then I took off and scored a point. Now yeah. I'm playing really well. You yeah. know what I mean? You build yourself into it. And I think Comer could have you know done with that little bit of advice lay the first one or two off don't don't be expected to win this game on your own for us.
1: Mm. and not straight after half time like you know in fairness he had the punch and it came back after the post if it had yeah. it went over the bar it could have been completely different because now he's in the game straight away he's made yeah. a huge contribution but you know it hit the post he went out he fouled the guy and then the next time it happened again then he gets turned over uh, by Chris Barrett I think it was and you know it's all of a sudden you're under serious pressure and what you're saying is right, coming back from injury or you know, playing your first game or whatever, just work yourself into it and do a couple of simple things and said all of a sudden you're in the game, everything is going grand here, I've had four or five possessions, I haven't done anything wrong and and confidence starts to flow where the other way it'll drain away very quick when you start giving away and like he was actually over chasing and, and there's an awful lot of guys doing it now where they're over chasing tackles, they're going flying at a guy, he's just sidestepping them you know, and like on current I think, went out after Cillian O'Connor on, on the end line and just pushed him in the back. You know, he was heading away from goal. That on was one line. of the worst fouls I've ever seen. But th- th- this, it seems to be happening more and more. There's a couple of, a couple of instances in the cabin in game as well where they're just running up behind the guy and just pushing him in the back. And just that just geez, the manager must be tearing his hair out of this. Like, especially Cillian O'Connor heading towards the sideline on the end line. You give him a tap over free. Now they're another point <laughs> further further ahead of us, but... Look, I don't know, it's a a killer for a manager. Yeah,
2: no, it's true. I think Mayo played the better football in the game. I think Galway's comeback kind of, you know, it was more... I don't, I don't know chasing the game rather than like the the good points came from Mayo I think Killian O'Connor's first point came up was moved up by the foot through the lines really well there was a second half point by Jason Doherty, which was a lovely Killian O'Connor layoff to from an Aidan O'Shea pass to Jason Doherty. they just the, the the good scores in the game yeah. pretty much from place came from Mayo
3: they use the line so well don't they there's always somebody ahead yeah. the yeah. there's another platform and yeah the James Cargo I know it was so individual but that was just a kick out from Durkin, or sorry, from Clark to Durkin and then Durkin up to Yeah, and he took it from
1: there So they couldn't believe the kick pass was on unbelievable Yeah, (laughs) you couldn't see you know while it was an outstanding finish you couldn't see that kind of a goal being scored against the likes of a Tyrone or Dublin because you know Liam Silk is following him literally doesn't put a hand on him and I think it was Brannigan ran by him and never laid a glove on him oh yeah he just put his hand out flimsy it's a fantastic run a really powerful run but you know you you don't get goals like that against the likes of a Tyrone or a Dublin or a defence like that and you certainly won't get it against Donegal so you know while it's an outstanding goal um I think they're not going to be too many of them scored in the Super 8's no, in Croke Park in Dublin or a, or a Tyrone
2: I think that's James Carr's forte his big slalom runs because he's a big powerful guy isn't he it looks like that's his game even though we don't know him too well I know he scored a spectacular point in the league final late, late in the second half but it seems to be his game is a running game you know you'd like, be surprised that silk like, Silk's a top-level cornerback, like, I mean... Well, I suppose it just goes to show that, Donny G- or Galway after
1: changing for so long, as I said, the likes of him and Karen and Sean Andy O'Callaghan or Kine, whoever's in there, have two and three extra guys in front of them. Now, all of a sudden, when they don't, they're getting guys coming running at them one-on-one and where, well, I don't know, possibly the art of one-on-one defending has been kind of let go a little bit because you're defending in numbers. Now, all of a sudden, when he has to defend one-on-one, particularly, again, a, a big imposing guy like that, you know he he had his hands full and you know he's maybe not sure what to do.
2: Yeah, I think they did. Like in fairness to the Galway defenders for looking for the future, I thought Kine did well on Killian yeah. O'Connor. Like I mean, I thought Sean Andy did well when he came on too. Like like I always say this when you're going man for man at the back. Yes, it's very risky and Mayo do that. It's very risky and yes, if good ball comes in, you'll be taken for a pint. But it's the trade-off of what you might get on the at the other end, that's always the way. So, like, I mean, I would stick with it if I was if I was uh Galway. I definitely would. I think Mayo's response, Galway got it back to three, and for a second you thought maybe um there might be something in it, but then Cohen scored a huge score and then a huge free from Killian Connor, who he absolutely bought off uh Kine. sold Kyan completely up the river, and then that was it. That was game over then. So like while Mayo were very tentative at the start of the second half when they needed to then they were able to turn the screw ah look it was a convincing enough win from Mayo realistically
1: uh, Galway were always going to get their spell in the second half when they were on top and they had it in the first half too they scored 4 out of 5 points I think Cook uh, kicked a couple of wonderful points but you know, the weren't scores were particularly well worked they were just really really good finishes but said Galway were going to get their get their spell I think missing the penalty I think was, was probably the big turning point in the game I know uh, the, the 45 was kicked over and they got it back to 3 but you know the difference in being 3 behind at that stage or being 6 behind was huge and I think the penalty miss was, was the big turning point in the game, but there's no doubt about the mayor or the better team.
2: Yeah. So Kevin Walsh will go, do you think, lads? Malachi Rourke's available. I, I think oh, yeah. at Jim
3: McGuinness I think this sort of changes the thought process of a lot of county boards who are ambitious. You know, do they look at these two boys first before they make any decisions? Yeah. I would.
2: Yeah. What do you think, Matty? Is McGinnis in the market? She's a McGinnis would be a great appointment, alright. Yeah, is uh, he in the market? I wonder. Is he back in Ireland? We don't know what the history. He's not back on Sky yet. Get him into the market. I'd say I'd
1: say for the right offer, anyone could be on the market. Um, look, at your their, man the
2: from Supermax will have to open up the, <laughs> the wallet. Pat, Pat, Pat <laughs> Pat's, Pat's going to have to come big. Um, yeah, look, I,
1: look, it's up to absolutely. I think Kevin Walsh deserves to make his own decision. I think he he has done he's done great work with Galway over the last five years. He took him up when they are in a bad, a bad, bad situation. Has won Connacht titles with him, so I think he's well entitled to make his own situation. And I don't I don't see Galway. Um, getting rid of him but look at the likes of Malachi O'Rourke and the likes of McGuinness are are really interesting you No know, whether they go into a likes of Galway and and, uh, and do a big job in there you know not all outside managers come in and are are, are, are you know are a huge success but yeah. you know the likes of these guys have really good pedigree but you know they might not necessarily be the right fit for Galway football it's Well that's
2: the thing You're, you see, you don't know they're big names and that's mm. the good point if, if Galway are trying to move away from a defensive style is McGuinness and Maliki, the managers that you want what about former Cora Finn boss Stephen Rochford that w- I would think that might be a better fit yeah. potentially for, for Galway you might fancy it as well might fancy it yeah depends how they go um, yeah that's a good one Rochford or someone like that I think maybe yeah. if, if I
1: think it's it's most likely probably you know they had Joe Kernan it didn't really work out and you know I think there's probably is enough really good coaches in Galway. No, even you know, it's, it's a bit left field but even the likes of Harry Joyce, um, who's yeah, with the Galway under twenties at the yeah. moment, or maybe the likes of him and Rochford together. But you know, I'd say Rochford is probably going to be in Donegal for a season or two. So you know if Kevin Walsh does go, there's there's there will be an opening there. Um, as I said, the the outside guy is maybe not always necessarily the right option either.
2: Yeah. I think what the uh, the next manager needs to do number one he needs to find a goalkeeper. I know that I just threw fjunt on a Curry <sharp> out of my off the top of my head. You're laughing at me, Conan, But there might be there might be someone there that could that could do that job you also need to tap into Galway's natural flair their historical flair they're known as a great footballing county and people started using that as a stick to beat them with you know what I mean that's not a stick to beat you with that's a huge quality that you're a traditional brilliant county for brilliant scoring forwards and that's probably part of the reason I wanted them to move away from that defensive system and I think the other night in a way some of these lads if you get the marking from the front prove that if you leave them in one on ones yes a Cox can clean Sean Andy for three points. But sure, that's not the point. If you said to Sean Andy going out and Cox, if you keep him to three, I'll be happy with you. Don't have him castigated. They dropped him for that. You know, now I know Cox got the better of him, but Cox is a top-level player this year, and three from play isn't humiliating. But this is the point that... It it's not the end of the world to be conceding one one off your marker or one two. What can Shane Walsh Comer or Burke do at the other end? And can we beat them? I do think that the next Galway manager needs to get the balance of that right.
1: Uh, yeah, fair, uh, definitely. And as I said that's why I think but potentially it probably could be a Galway person because the know the scene inside out and look at there will be an immediate bounce with a new manager as well. You see it everywhere. Um, you see it in Cavendish year and look at you can keep going through any number of counties and you know was it to be and that's why I'm thinking the likes of a Parry Joyce who knows it inside out and who was that kind of a player himself who likes playing attacking football look at you can't be I even said hey, we're going to all out attack there's going to be no defending that yeah. does not that does just does not work in the modern game either but Guys like that are smart enough to know look at I have really quality football here at me, at my disposal. You know, likes of, I can't believe the likes of Kieran Malai is not on the team somewhere, you know, half even half hour because half back and half hour is more or less the same position yeah. these days, anyway. Yeah, but I think the likes of a Parry joyce or someone could really get the best out of players like that. They've too many good footballers kind of to be tied up in a defensive game and you know, let these guys go and express themselves. That's the Galway teams we were looking at through the nineties and the two thousands, you know, free scoring, you know, going up head to head with Kerry in Dublin and putting big scores on the board and said they've too many good footballers not to be doing that. Again, and there's lots of them on that on team at the moment.
2: I agree. I couldn't. I couldn't agree. I think, for the record, I think Walsh will go. I think he's probably taken him as far um, as he can. Right, we'll leave it there, lads. We'll come back with Paddy Power performance of the weekend. <laughs>
1: I work as a policeman at Garda Shaikhaner down the Store Street, and I'm coming back out, and there's a whole of loyal Tyrone fans still up in the stand as you come back out, and they're roaring at me, "Hey, Taffy, you're a Free State bastard!" <laughs> 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 and, 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 and next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. <laughs>
2: First nomination for Paddy Power Performance of the Weekend is Peter Cook. Four points from play in the first half alone, lads. With some shooting by him. Now, we know he likes to take a point. Um, he was on Aidan O'Shea and, you know, completely got the better of Aidan O'Shea. Aidan O'Shea didn't uh, influence the game the other night that he u- like the way he usually does. It's not like everyone went through him. So you'd have to give Peter Cook a huge amount of credit for that.
3: Yeah, she did a lot of dog work, you know. Like he, he always does such yeah. as baseline, I suppose. But Cook was just so uh, powerful going forward and so important, where everybody else was not, not hiding, but they weren't getting on the ball. They he took the game to yeah, Mayo
2: single-handedly, pretty you know, much.
3: They weren't making things happen, and yeah, for long periods, too often Galway were going without scores, and it was always Cook that ended up changing things. And it was just because he was bursting through two tackles and swinging over these great scores. Four really, really top quality
2: scores. Like so, um, yeah, a big, big game. Yeah, definitely. Um, Killian Connor I thought was outstanding until Cairns went off, and then he quietened a little bit um, when Kine went on to him. James, Ca- James Carr obviously got the two goals. Um, uh, Darren Cohen again, scored three points. Like, where has this lad been? He seems to be a regular feature in Paddy yeah. Power this Weekend. Unbelievably accurate. And when you're unbelievably accurate, you've an incredible chance of playing well because, especially in a modern game when you're coming on loops and, you know, you can just pop up in space and if you can kick long-range scores. And it's very funny, it was a, a mishit score from him, which is very unlike him that led to the James Carr goal. And I don't know what the psychology of it is. Maybe Darren Cohn is so accurate that everybody switches off for the, mishit, for the mishit point. Because I remember being in there a couple of times myself, and you'd see somebody who takes a shot, she'd practically go asleep. And it could come back off the post yeah. or anything, and you're just not used to it, Maddie. But, like, I mean, you'd, you'd probably notice defenders doing the exact same thing. So when a mishit point comes, Suddenly, you're you're you could be catching it, and your defender might be actually still looking over the over the bar for yeah, for the
1: point. Yeah, definitely. You'll see it very clearly, particularly in intercounty matches. Defenders chasing the guy. And once he shapes the shoot, you can see him visibly slowing down because oh, you know, it's game over here. This, yeah. bo- this ball has gone over, something like that. But look, he'd be saying to young fellas the whole time, just follow the ball in, just wait till it's dead. Defenders and attackers, wait till the ball is dead because you know a honey takes. And you know, and we've seen him big games on numerous occasions. One ball come back of a crossbar, or a post, or a spill like the other day or something like that, and. You know, a goal, that set the tone for the whole match and a really rocked all the way back on their heels.
2: Yeah, it definitely did. Jamie Malone, lads, four points. Another man, four points from playing the first half. Went back out of it, uh, or went out of it a bit in the second half. And Seamus Lavin, uh, cornerback for Meade, was man-marking him for the whole game. So I was surprised he came out in the second half man-marking him again because he was destroyed in the first half. Jamie Malone does a really weird thing. He holds the ball like a rugby player in one hand. So he holds his man off mm. with one hand and He's holding the ball out here, it's not even under his arm, he's kind of holding it. Kind of, you know, the way with the rugby rid- lads can with his do it hand and wrist. So yeah, you, you, defenders can't get at it, it's very hard to get at so it. So, he gets his four or five steps, shrugs them off. He's gone into it, he's a much bigger man. He yeah. was a slight fella two or three years ago. He's a big hulk of a man now. Yeah, there's not well, there's not many small guys playing
1: inter-county football True. or whatever, anyway. But uh, no, he's really filled out. Look at some of his finishes in the first half. Or create unbelievable quality you know, outside of the boot in step they wanted to come off the inside of the post um, You know, and all from distance as well there was no tapovers in the forward end but look he definitely went out of it in the second half and it was, look it was a factor in possibly Clare not winning the game but you know he's, he absolutely deserves his, I think his nomination for a performance of the weekend he was, he was outstanding
2: Brian Hurley 2-4 um, got loads of space great to see him back we know about his injuries at this stage he's been on this show his first goal though lad, soccer style beautiful Confidence wow. is up high when you're when you're scoring a goal like that. Yeah, that was brilliant. Like just great improvisation as well. Just like yeah, You can just do you Don't have you didn't to, have to it break, it break stride because yeah. breaking stride there might have meant going down your yeah. momentum would make you fall and then there's no goal chance I think
3: that sets like the top players apart from you know like, like if the average Joe like 'cause where you're just told bend your back get it up and then like put your foot through it where he's just like I could just put this in the net this way and it's like, just a real quality player that, that it paid off but was it Mark Collins
2: to set him up as well we always talked about Ian Burke's hands but his were class that day Against the it was a hand team. pass, Yeah it was a hand yeah. pass Across But like I mean If you miss a score Like that lads you need, you're, <laughs> no, so you're, you're in big trouble It's and like it's Trying to shoot From the sideline Or you know Managers uh, have pet hate If you don't score that You could be taken off
1: it, 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 and probably look silly as well but it was, a, it was a fantastic finish because the ball landed at his feet and it was really awkward he had to come across it with his left foot like a right footed guy would probably try and stand or turn his right foot and side footed in or something like that but he he never broke stride no. as you said and I said it was a, an awkward height for him. if I had bounced up he probably could have caught it and went around Granbury audited, but it didn't um, he had to finish the way it was and it was, it was a super finish and look it's great to see him back he's had a horrendous time of injuries and you know he's he's an absolute handful for anyone to have to mark it's now he's a
2: handful and I'm really looking forward Mark Collins scored 1-8 he deserves a nomination as well. It was one four from play. I'm really looking forward to those two against uh Dublin. Because like we said, if Rory Dean and the half hours can engage the Dublin half back line, Dublin will give you that. They'll give you that until the cavalry comes back and, and helps. So it'll be I think they can get some joy, definitely from the highlights and from some of the ball they were given in. It's the exact type of ball that causes Dublin problems. And you know Hurley in those one on one situations are are very is is very, very good. So it will be interesting. Donald Kyogan, you've mentioned him Maddie already. He was outstanding. Um, set up the goal. It actually wasn't going to be a goal until Menton followed it in. I thought watching it that it was a goal. Um, Scored a very good point. Trevor Giles said recently that he would get on any Mead team of any era, and it's hard to disagree with him. Like, I mean, he's he, top quality player.
1: He's he's a real Mead footballer, you know, he won a, a huge ball in the square near the end and came out with it down along the sideline as well. Um, you know, big, strong, physical, yeah. aggressive. You know, really comfortable on the ball, kicked a great point. You know, I, I'd say he he would be on most inter county teams at the moment as well. Never mind any Mead team of any era um you know and he's a real driving force and has been all all year even from the time to played carlo you know he he was getting up and down the field all day that day it's as well great engine alright yeah Jeff. huge huge levels of fitness but a fantastic player and you know again absolutely deserving of his of his nomination he was, he was excellent again yesterday
2: he's constantly um ghosting forward too like the amount of hand passes that will just be thrown over and suddenly he's yeah. he's i know that happened for the goal but that's a feature of his play that he's just coming on however he can just kind of be in a crowd of crowd of people and then just make a run and be and be spotted. Yeah. Against Leash I assumed he was playing in the forward line and then you just saw him taking
3: off back to the halfback line again after every attack that he was finishing or setting up the last score. Quality, just a real, real engine on him as well. And like that was real skill and composure for the
2: for the goal that he ended up setting up you know anybody else would just blast that ball but oh it he was great played, composure you know. sidestep that was rugby-esque sidestep there yeah. wasn't it to go in and come back mm. off your left um, that easily because he's right footed Um Kino D. I thought played very well for Clare kind of played that a kind of old fashioned roving corner forward yeah. role and got on a load of ball kicked a brilliant point and got in lads faces and I hadn't seen him before because unless he'd grown his hair or something like that <laughs> and I didn't recognise him but he thought he was very good industrious Um, industrious and just all over the field so like and Cahal O'Connor obviously in midfield was very good um, for Clare as well kicked some great scores Darren McCurry is the last nomination lads scored three from play in the first half he's a bit of a streak player lads when he's on song he's top top quality Um, and I thought it was interesting that he came off after 45 minutes and that's Mickey Hart saying this lad's on it and I'm going to look after him Am I right?
1: Probably, he scored the three points in about six, seven minutes yeah. and, and finished the game. Kind the of end, a streaky end, player, isn't end, he? End of the first half, which was kind of strange. He was coming onto the ball from deep where normally he plays a lot further inside beside Shane or something like that, but he was actually coming onto the ball and it was the one that was breaking the line just popping the ball over the bar and I think he didn't come on the loop for one of them, but, you know, he... I said three points in five, six minutes effectively finished the game. And you're probably right, Mickey is trying to look after him and I'd say he's he's guaranteed his number fifteen jersey or his number thirteen jersey for for next weekend.
2: Yeah, he definitely is. So oh yeah, Tyrone have Roscommon first, yeah. so that'll be interesting. So like both groups are decent, aren't they? Like I mean, I suppose one group is stronger than the other, but Mead you'd worry for Mead, um you'd even worry for you'd worry for Roscommon and Cork against Tyrone and Dublin, wouldn't you? But that's like that group. I think I don't like that group too much myself no yeah. unless Cork can put in a good performance on Saturday anyways look we'll talk about this on Thursday <laughs> whose performance of the weekend going to I'm asking myself Donald Keoghan have you got a nomination um, here Patrick Durkin
3: I'm a bit disappointed not to see him in. Patrick Durkin yeah, good yeah. good uh, man working display but some amazing passes as well throughout the game
2: yeah Paddy Durkin yeah okay I'll allow, I'll allow him but he's not going to beat <laughs> Donald Keoghan, Um, even though he was marking a much higher level player than Donald <laughs> Keoghan, um was Donald Keoghan is Paddy power performance of the weekend I think Mead deserve it after um, it's a weird one with Mead that they've reached every target they set at the start of the year but there's still a bit of a cloud hanging over them after getting destroyed and embarrassed a little bit by Dublin unfortunately that's the reality for them isn't it like I mean yeah look at it
1: could be the next couple of weeks could be tough as well and that's that's probably gonna tell tell more of a story but look at if you'd have told them at the start of the year you know get to the Leinster final get promoted in the Super 8s I think they took the hand off stuff
2: yeah and how can there be any doubt over this or cloud over this the Dublin cloud that hangs over everyone I think they'll do well in their home game if they can do well in their home game in Park Talton you know they've put it up to Tyrone there like I mean they, they can potentially not be embarrassed you know that kind of mm. way because you yeah. would worry for them in Croke Park and in the away game based on the evidence definitely of the second half right lads that's we'll leave it there so congratulations to Donal we'll send you the Paddy Power lucky pants um, whenever I get around to it. Right, that's it. We'll be back on Thursday. We'll be previewing the Super 8s. It's all heating up now, lads. This is the big time. It's all the shadow boxing is over. We'll be back on Thursday and we'll preview, probably paying most attention to the big one in Killarney. All right, we'll talk to you then. Good luck.
0: The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. Money back as a free bet on any championship match on live TV. If you're losing first goal scorer, bet gets a goal.
3: I'm not finished yet, it took me a long time to get here. Both players have, have spoken with each other, and, uh, and they regret what happened, they've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're, both of them are keen to to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas he get such a f-ing shit shot next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f-ing houses for 10
0: years.